Cusick. Not just a word, a movement, a mindset, and a podcast. Welcome to Fusick. Okay, welcome everybody to the Fusick podcast again. We are obviously always excited about our guest, and we have one on, on board today that um, is going to bring a, a great aspect, a great look at it. So very, very pumped up for Mr. Jeff Lambert. But first off, the co-host, Mr. TJ Guinness. How you doing, bud? I'm doing great, Craig, and uh, excited to get back into this. Uh, how are you doing, my friend? Doing doing great. Uh, I need to quit jinxing myself. Oh, uh, Every week I sell myself or tell people that this is the most snow I have ever seen, and every single week it gets it gets more. And so um, I'm looking forward to being in Charlotte next week where the weather is looking magnificent. And uh, I'm in Minnesota right now, and it was all the way up to my knee, a little bit past my knee. On That's the snow, fun. So. That's fun, yeah. man. Yeah, it was fun. Got a good time with Haze, castles. and yep, absolutely. Haze and I built a snow creature. It wasn't a snowman. It was a snow creature, um, a little mix between Pokemon and um, I guess this Beyblade thing and a, and a monster, and, and I don't know what it was, but it was the ugliest snowman of all time, but Haze loved it, so that's all that matters. So Yeah. We've, uh, had, a, we've had a good week up here and had a good time. So That's awesome. Quinn, Quinn and I make uh, snow, I mean, uh, snow angels on carpet. So oh. I don't know where she gets this from. I think it might have been the Frozen movie, but she does snow angels on the carpet. And she do you have like shag carpet? No, it's just like a regular like a, we have a wood floors, and then we have a carpet. You know, a um, I guess it's not a carpet. I mean, rug. You know, a rug. Rug. And, and, okay. Yeah. So she'll do snow snow angels on a rug, and she's like, "Dad, dad, sit, sit, do do two, do two, dad." Uh, so I have to get down there and do some snow angels as well. So, so why has that you, video you had, not been put on Facebook? I don't know, man. I don't know. That's a good one. That's so a I, that's a good one. Actually, I'd rather see that than you know the beast dancing. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes the beast has to come out. You know that's what right. I'm saying? <laughs> that's right. That, that is true. Sometimes. Well, who right, do we have, well, Craig? Who do we have? We have the one and only, the beautiful Mr. Jeff Lambert. How you doing, Jeff? I'm doing fantastic. You guys are a little crazy out there. You got scarecrow, snow angels, and then you got Roombas. In the, in the form of snow angels on the on the floors, you guys need some more vegetables or something. And then Probably. you get, and then you, we're describing you as beautiful. Yeah, I heard he said that for the first time yesterday. I, I pulled yeah. over to the side of the road and had to take it all in. <laughs> the best part about it was I said that to him, and then I asked him if he was alone so we could have a private conversation. Yes. Hey, Afterwards. Sometimes you need it. Sometimes you need yep. it. After he said it, that's the after problem. I said that. But <laughs> yeah. that's okay. That's called leadership. Yeah, you're taking yes. it to a whole nother whole nother. Uh, right. That's like leadership. Love, love that's, languages. Yes. <laughs> well, Greg, remember the time too, and, and some of this, of course, ought to be edited out. But when I, I got a new belt that um, had a belt buckle on it, and then in the cor- bottom right corner of the belt buckle, it says John three sixteen, right? So um, it's one of the first times I'd met Craig, and I think I, I think I was actually the first time he'd met my wife at dinner. Yep. So I, I I got up from the table, I walked over to him. Now keep in mind, he's still seated, right? I'm sitting, I'm standing next to him. I said, Hey, have you ever seen one of these? Right, standing right next to him in front of him, <laughs> he, he did, he did back way, up a little bit. Yeah. We are we are not editing out. And then thirty seconds later, I made you the offer. So you did. Uh, I think right, you should have understood right. that. <laughs> right. Bada boom, bada bang. And and a job offer, which was perfect. Yes. That's right. Oh, That's right. yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I got that one. Usually, <laughs> it takes me a minute. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into it. Uh, as much as I'd love to keep doing that, we obviously want to get into. Um, Something that hopefully helps some people, but uh, Jeff, you have you have told bits and pieces of your story, and and I've always been intrigued by kind of humbleness and and 
and the similarities of what we hear a lot on here, but also kind of how we both began our careers and want to just get your FUSIC story and what FUSIC means to you. And, and then let's talk about it from there. So the floor is yours and, and you have the mic, sir. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, you know, it, it, it's, it's funny. You, you grow up in a, in a middle-class household and, and you've got some fantastic parents and you've got all these, um, the future is bright ahead of you and you've got everything all set up and then you get out there in the real world. And, and as a parent, this means a lot because I'm trying to do the same thing now for my 16-year-old son. You, you know, you go through high school, you have a great time and you get into college and you start to realize that, okay, I've, I've got to go out there and, and, and be a real person, be a grown-up, right? So uh, I asked a guidance counselor in college, I said, you know, I want to get into financial services and I don't know... Maybe I saw Wall Street or something. I said, you know, I want to go out there and make a lot of money. And, and she said, well, just get involved in your local campus. So I'd, I was able to, uh, fortunate enough to play a couple sports in college and involved in a leadership role in a fraternity and um, did what I was supposed to do, got out in four years with good grades and started interviewing financial service companies. And they said, uh, everything looks great, Jeff. You couldn't have put more in four years than you did, but we need somebody with five years sales experience. So that's the first time I realized that just because you want something doesn't mean you necessarily automatically get it. Even if you've done all the necessary prep work that somebody told you you needed to do. Mm -hmm. But when you're out there on the firing line, somebody tells you, yeah, okay, that's all great. I appreciate that you spent the last four years doing that. But in order for you to come into our world, you need to do this, right? And I didn't have five-year sales experience. In the summertime, I was a lifeguard. I sold cheeseburgers and Doritos, but apparently that didn't count as real sales experience, right? So I was, hoping, I was hoping that was an anomaly with the one financial service company, and I went to another one, and they said the exact same thing. You need five-year sales experience. So I had to make that determination. My, you know, I, I've heard you guys talk before about some of the longer-term goals. I knew at that point, or I thought I knew I wanted to get into financial services because that's where the money was. But I knew I needed to do something uh, in, in the meantime until, you know, it's funny, life is what happens while you're busy making other plans. Um, I... I knew I had to get into sales, so I, I went to the south side of Chicago, and for those that are familiar with the Chicago area, 87th and Kedzie is kind of a, a tougher area, and uh, I interviewed with a, with a Fortune 500 company, but the job was a little bit different. I sold cemetery property door to door. Uh, it was 100 cold calls a day, 40 door knocks a day, and, and I, what I realized was if for me to hit my long-term goal, there's some more prep work I had to put in. And when they said five years, you know, we talk about those 10,000 hours of something. That's really what that was going to take. I didn't know a lot about sales. But, but when you're out there in the real world and you have 100 door knocks a day and 40 cold calls and you're running appointments and you're getting in there in the morning and hand addressing 100 envelopes and signing letters and sending those out and following up with phone calls, what's happening is, and, and I didn't realize it till later, you're establishing a fantastic work ethic because you have to, right? You're in a straight commission position, so you have to perform and you, know, you have to continue to do that same thing over and over again until you develop those skill sets. Uh, and it's interesting, TJ and Craig, what actually happened to me was um, I, I figured out how to prospect and get referrals and establish some relationships and leverage those into more sales. But that didn't happen right away. Um, what I remember, never forget the time I, I got home to my apartment and uh, it, it turns out that my landlord was offering to help me move. Now, granted, he was only giving me three days and he was gonna throw my furniture out. Some people call that an eviction notice. <laughs> but I looked at that. I looked at that as an opportunity. It's one of those ahas where you've got to figure out: Do I need to double down on what I'm doing, or do I need to completely shift gears? Do I need to do I need to blame somebody else for my lack of success up to that point? And what I did was I doubled down. I, I uh, this is back in the mid '80s, so it was cassette tapes and 
and, and going to live seminars and I, I, all the great ones out there, the Tom Hopkins and the Zig Ziglar's and the Brian Tracy's, and I, I learned everything I possibly could about the selling world and I, I internalized all that and actually got a little bit better. So I spent seven years doing that um, door to door, eventually managed a few cemeteries and, and realized that the, the, some of the skills that I was developing there were transferable to others, some of the prospecting methods and the relationship building. Uh, I leveraged that into the automotive industry and eventually started my own uh, consulting company and, and had a great time doing that. But then adversity hit again. Um, a lot of people are familiar with what happened in 2008. Um, not dissimilar to the stock market crash and the, and the dot com um, in the late 80s. You know, 2008 in the automotive industry was crippling for a lot of dealers. So when I was an outside consultant calling on dealerships and they were concerned about keeping their own employees, one of the first things to go are those outside consultants. So uh, that got me from the cemetery business into the automotive world. And then a good friend of mine worked for a, a large insurance carrier. And he said, you know, based on what you have done in the past, keep that in mind, because that's what he said to me is based on what you have done. I didn't plan on doing that. I thought I wanted to be a financial consultant. But because I had done a lot of business in the cemetery world and learned the grassroots approach of, of not only selling, but also managing and, and consulting, and then move that into the automotive industry and starting my own company. Because I had done those things, which were not part of my original plan, it put me in a position to get a really, really good job in, in the uh, insurance business. So, you know, you talk about prestige out there in different industries. Uh, I, other than being an attorney, think about that. I was in the cemetery business, I was in the car business, and I was in the insurance business. <laughs> other being an attorney, uh, you know, I don't know what else I could have done out there, right? But, you know, you get it. You get a chance to be in front of a lot of great people. Um, you get a chance in, in leadership roles. You get a chance to influence lives. And, and I know you guys uh, talk about this as a central theme. Being able to establish a culture and being able to live that world and get out there in, in, the, in the trenches and in the weeds and knocking on those doors again and get reminded again of, of how those juices flow differently. Um, you know, in leadership, you see people succeed. That's fantastic. But if you can take somebody out and do that with them and, and see that smile on their face because it's something as simple as setting up an appointment or oftentimes it's not hearing a no is, is a big win for that person. It's good to see that again to kind of get those juices flowing. So um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been an interesting journey up to this point, certainly not over now, um, but because of, of all the stuff that happened while I was busy making other plans, um, I, I find myself in a really good position to influence a lot of other lives at this point. It's outstanding. You know, and Jeff, when you think back around, you know, going door to door, how much has that helped you now with being in a leadership position where, you know, we don't go household to household, but getting out there and actually going in and, and being able to go with your team. One thing you do a great job of is actually being in the now with whoever you're with and, you know, being able to go out and actually still knock on doors, even the position that you're in every week and, and do that in the field. How much does, do you think that that goes back to doing those cemetery, I mean, sales and, and yeah. going with that. No, Craig, I, you know, it's a great point because I, I think that's everything. You really, you get a sense of being bulletproof. Give an example. Last, um, last week I was out there with one of our newer managers uh, who doesn't have, any, doesn't have any insurance experience. And we had an appointment set up and, and walked in, and, and the person who was supposed to be there wasn't at their desk. So immediately I think some people would say, well, the person's not here. I'll just come back at a different time. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a metal fabrication company, and I won't say the name, but, 
I said, well, we're here, right? So let's figure out where this person is. So we walk past the lunchroom. We see a, an oxyacetylene torch going on in one corner. We see somebody else with the metal shavings flying up all over with these big helmets on. And, and we walked in there and, and got their attention. They motioned us over someplace else. The guy that we were supposed to see was actually working on a lathe. Uh, he, got, he stopped himself on the lathe. Um, we went into his office at that point through, through a lot of conversation. He had fish tanks, so I was able to talk about some of the fish tank because I'm setting one up in my house right now. We established some common ground with that gentleman, and as it turns out at the end of that conversation, not only are we going to get that business, but he's got another construction company that he also manages. And I think without, without having the experience of, of, of literally hundreds, if not thousands of times, somebody closing the door on your face because they didn't want to talk about a cemetery grave, that gives you that, that extra drive to show somebody else how to go that extra step. And, and again, the, at the end of the day, this particular person really wanted us to be in there. He was just having a little bit of an appointment remorse. And what that showed that newer manager who's now on our team, and she's going to do a fantastic job, is, is if you have a little bit more fortuitous and if you're sticking in there a little bit longer and uh, with a little more resolve, you can get great results. If you truly believe in what you're doing and you want to share that message with as many people, you will get past some of that adversity to get to that ultimate decision maker. And Craig, I think without, um, without being out there knocking on doors and hearing no so many times, I mean, we only had a 2% closing ratio with what I did. So I'm wow. used to hearing wow. no 98 yeah. times and only hearing two yeses, right? Wow. And it wasn't, a, it wasn't a yes, please come in and talk to us, right? It was a, okay, I guess you can come by. Right, so well, that, that, yeah, that's a, that creates that is, some of that. Yes, exactly. That creates some of that. So uh, kind of touching on that a little bit, uh, you mentioned that going out there, knocking on doors, you, you realize that you started to develop some transferable skills? Yes. Uh, yes. In, in sales, that's why I think sometimes they say that the best sales folks are not the best leader, uh, the best developers or leaders because they, uh, they're kind of going off of... of what they're accustomed to and what their skill set is, and they kind of wing it their own way, which is tough to be transferable and touch it is. someone else how to wing it. Uh, touch on, Jeff, how developing transferable skills, how that has impacted your leadership career, and why is that important to you to have that? I think, I think there's, a, there's an evolution that kind of occurs. I think people go through different stages in their lives. Um, for me... Yeah, there was an accumulation decade when you get in your 30s and you're newly married and you have these big plans of things you want to do and cars and, and things are important to you and homes and all this other stuff. The material side of that is important. I think it's much more me-centered at that point. Mm -hmm. But then when, when you find that some of the things that you have done and some of the things you've been able to experience, and once you start to realize that it would be nice for others to have those as well, I mean, I, I think you start, it's, it's interesting, you, you take almost, almost a parenting role where you want others to experience that same level of happiness. Um, you know, it's, money doesn't make happiness, but it sure creates a good down payment, and, and it's right. not the root of all evil. It's what you do with the money. That, that might be that root. And by, by me having some of that experience out there and, and realizing the impact that I could have with just one or two of those, you know, I, I kind of prefer them as rabbits. If you hire a lot of people and there's two or three people out there that just take it and run with it, and you want other people to pattern themselves after them, you need to have one of the two of those success stories out there that, um, you know, sticking with the system long enough, it kind of has to kick in a little bit. You need to have a couple of those out there. And I think once you see that and you see the happiness, you, you really, 
you're transferring that happiness from you to somebody else, and you realize that that actually feels better, right? Of, yep. Uh, yes, oh, sure but does. only at a certain point in your life. You know, once you've experienced it yourself and say, I, I want other people to experience that same thing, I think the, the, the leadership capabilities start coming out, but you still have to put in the effort to do that, right? Because um, give you an example of the, the same scenario that we were out in this company that uh, the guy wasn't there immediately. Um, part of what I had to teach, some of that's inherent, some of that you can actually teach this brand new manager, was look for some of those things you have in common, establish some of the common ground, right? I mean, I very fortunately, uh, he had a couple fish tanks set up, and I, since I'm in the middle of setting one up, I knew specifically the things to talk about. And you could see his, his eyes light up, you know, so there was the defense was kind of there initially, and then the eyes lit up because we were talking about something that he was passionate about. Right. I think identifying the passion for people whether it's in sales or whether it's in the medical field or whether it's in the service industry or whether, you know, whether you're out there, um, you know, you're installing somebody, something at somebody's house. If you're passionate about that, you can live a very good life. And transferring that passion sometimes is part of what we do as leaders. Um, and, and it, but I think there's just a point to your point. I think there's just a stage of your life where you realize I can get just as much or more satisfaction by seeing somebody else do that as I had when I did it myself. Oh, without a doubt. And it goes, I love how you use the word passion because, you know, that, that to me, people can't fake for long. And that is what people follow. So if you walk into the office every day and you're truly passionate about what we do, everybody's going to recognize that and they're going to want to be a part of it. I know we talk about this a lot, but the culture at Colonial, to me, and I haven't really worked many other places, you know, since I graduated college, but it is it is so different from everything that I hear from everybody else, right? And you walk in and the culture is what we create as leaders. And that's why people stay that extra week or that extra two weeks that they need to stay in a 1099 sales role to be able to make it, right? And so that's the one thing we've got to continue to focus on is having that passion of doing what we, you know, we truly believe in, but also understanding again that money never leads, it always follows. I mean, one of the things we've got to keep a focus on, just like you said, Jeff, is you got to keep a focus on the system, but you also got to be passionate about the system, passionate about what we're doing, because the end result, right, is not, again, something we focus on, but we have a goal to reach, and we're focused on that goal, but we're also focused on being passionate about the system, and, and that's dead on. And to me, there's no greater reward than having people that you helped in some sort of way become successful in their eyes or achieve what their goals were. And to me, that is 10 times better than doing anything personally by yourself. And success, and success is personal. But I can tell you what, when you start in, injecting some passion, you can freak out some people yeah. um, if they're not ready for it, right? In a good way, right? Because it gets them out of that comfort zone. Give an example, Craig, last Monday, um, earlier this week, we had our normal Monday, right, where we're, we've got prospecting calls and we've got a lot of things going on. And, and we've done the reward thing where we're giving out gift cards and we're giving out scratch-offs and all doing all sorts of things because people like to have that immediate reward. It kind of creates some of that enthusiasm you need. Well, I, you know, I'm getting tired of handing out the same thing all the time. Because if you're, if you're constantly handing out the same thing, people consider that part of their compensation package and it loses some of its bang for the buck. Right, so right. so this, this last Monday, uh, I'm looking through my desks at stuff that I might be able to utilize. Well, I found in there something that was in my desk and I, I went out there and said, the next person who sets an appointment gets this pack of unopened pink post-it notes. Right? And, and I. I, I, we walked around the room and I, we built this up where it, it just, it's the, the act of actually having a win as opposed to what the reward is. I'm yeah. telling you, people were, there, there was so much more enthusiasm to win this crazy little unopened pack of pink post-it notes. And, <laughs> it and was win $10. We had a blast, but, but people all of a sudden, that, that, that enthusiasm for the next 45 minutes 
Because you have to shift gears. It's tough to maintain enthusiasm long term doing the same thing over and over. So yep. you have to interject some of this stuff. But you know, the, the, the pink post-it notes, uh, I can't go there again, but I'll find some other stuff sitting around that didn't cost me that much that will create just as much enthusiasm and drive. So and, and that's where you got to have some fun doing it. You really do. So funny. I remember one time we, we did a contest one, one month, and it was like for 500 bucks, I think, or 250 bucks or something. You know, it was a, a contest we put out, and it felt like no one really cared. The next, the next month, we did a contest where it was concert tickets, and the concert tickets cost us like $45 a piece. And we, everybody would not shut up about winning these concert tickets. And I'm sitting there going, you guys realize you could have gone to five concerts if you just won the, won the month before. But That's hilarious. But That's great. TJ, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I, I think it's wonderful, and I'll tell you, I'll give a shout-out to uh, Steve uh, Steinhauer um, and Jason Addy. They uh, put together something. I know a few other people may have done it in the past. Uh, but during a Monday call clinic, the last Monday matters, they passed around a $100 bill like a hot potato. Any, every appointment, someone else held the $100 bill. Uh, and what you find out is that during the last phase of the, uh, the call clinics, that there's a lot more appointments being set because everyone wants to end with that $100 bill. Uh, so that was kind of a little new game to kind of spike things and get things energized for, for the full full course of the call clinics versus just... Ooh, that's a great one. You know, versus just like the first of two. Because we, we've been... That's a great we've been, idea. We've been dra uh, dragging a little bit when it, we're coming coming around third on the final final uh, call clinic. So... Well, feel free to use the pink post-it note, see if that works. Yeah, you, or just pass around the pink stoke, uh, post-it notes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Love it. Yeah. But you Love know what it. else, too? Because I, I, was, I, was, I was cleaning out one of my old offices, and I, and I had this, this bag of, of medals, right? The, you know, like, like Olympic medals, but they're, they're not like that, right? But, but it's, got a, it, you know, it's got the necklace around, and it's got a coin at the bottom of it. And, and I remember buying, it was at some kind of, of fleet store or something. So, you know, the whole bag of 100 medals probably cost me 10 bucks. But it doesn't matter. It's the it's the recognition. It's the acknowledgement yep. of a good job. Yep. I, I truly believe this: that at the end of the day, what our responsibility are as leaders and, and as fellow human beings is everybody wants to have a sense of significance. Mm -hmm. And if we can help everybody be significant, that takes on many different meetings. I, you know, I, I believed in that so strongly that at one point I actually had the URL significant.com because everybody wants to be significant. And we we phrase it in lots of different ways. But at the end of the day. When somebody goes home, and I, and I try to remember this all the time, if somebody's going to go home and, and they have a family, that, which most of the people we work with are going to have families, and somebody asks them, hey, Dad, how was your day? Or Mom, how was your day? And if somebody says, man, I had a great day today, we need to know as leaders, what is it that makes them have a great day as mm -hmm. opposed to an okay day or it was, it, it was just all right? And I really think that it's that sense of significance. And whether it's the ability to get past that decision maker to, or, or the gatekeeper or bridge builder, as we call them, to get to a decision maker, or whether it's that you know, we tried to hit 40 door knocks that day or drops that day and we, we finally hit it, that they can go home feeling significant. And when somebody asks them, what, how was your day today? And they can say, man, I had a great day today. We need to have more people having more great days. And, and then at the end of the day, we will have great days and great years as well. Without yeah, well, well, they say that the, the number one reason why people leave a relationship, whether it be a job-related or a, uh, you know, family relationship or dating somebody is lack of appreciation and lack of gratitude. Yep. Without a doubt. Uh, so yep. you're, you're right on point. we got to make sure people have 
everyone has a sticker on their back that says make me feel special and if we make that our focus which is you know we talk about this all the time on the podcast focus on building people not sales if you do that then the sales will come Jeff, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But the, but the missing piece right there, Jeff, and, and where you touched on is the feedback. Okay, well, if someone is on cloud now and they're having a great time, they, they went home, they feel special. Okay, what, what's, what, what makes you feel special? What is it that was done today that made you feel that way? Because that's collecting data, data, uh, and, and making sure that we are, Craig, what you're saying, you know, the love languages. And a what lot of times it's different you, what we thought it was. Yes, because we're, we're, well, we're tell leading us. people the way that we want to be led. Just like they are who we thought they were. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. Love it. That's it right hey, there. La- last, last question, Jeff. If you could give advice to a 22-year-old uh, just graduating college and you know coming out and trying to figure out what they're going to do, what's the one thing you would tell them, piece of advice? Man, I, I'm telling you, more than anything, because what I saw is the progression of, of you know my, my not – not over yet, but my building career, is the ability to communicate and, and uh, the, the relationships that you can establish with somebody. Um, I, as an intern, I hired one of, my, um, uh, one of my nephews, my godson actually, between junior and senior years. And uh, he, was, he was a soccer player at a, at a great local university here. And one of the things they don't teach in college, and one of the things that, be, unfortunately, because of all the social media and the negative aspects of social media and the lack of human contact, one thing that's not really out there as much as it used to be for, for you guys who are younger than me, but certainly when I was growing up, is that, that connection with another human being. So whatever somebody's going to do at the age of 22, and, and you know, people are oftentimes doing something now that's not going to be what they eventually are going to do, because again, life uh, is what happens while you're busy making other plans. Yep. Whatever somebody does, they need to be either in a service business or they need to be somewhere where they're actually around other human beings having significant conversations and establishing relationships because whatever somebody wants to do longer term, and this isn't just business, this is, this is human relationship skills, this is family skills, this is as we get older and we become caregivers, we have to have the ability to care about others. I would suggest that they get into something, whatever it's going to be, whether it's an internship at 22 or whether it's a full-time job, somewhere where they can actually be around a lot of other human beings going towards a common goal. Beautiful. Perfect. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Jeff, you knocked this one out of the park, man. Outstanding job. Great Appreciate job. It, Great job. Love, Great job. Love the passion. And uh, where can the listeners find you? The millions of listeners that we have, Jeff. Find me. What do we typically do? Is it the Colonial Life? I mean, you can if they needed to contact you to ask you questions or social media. Oh, you know or... Yeah, you know what? I've also, it's, it's something that I've had a long, long time there. It's, uh, I've got a, a Gmail address. That's called Seymour Selmore, S-E-E-M-O-R-E, S-E-L-L-M-O-R-E at gmail.com. Because uh, I, I have felt in sales, there's only two ways to, to increase your sales. You either need to be in front of more people or be more effective with the ones you're currently in front of. And, and along the lines of what I would recommend to a 22-year-old, I would see more of those people out there and make sure you have more good interactions. So SeymourSelmore at gmail.com. I'd be it. happy to help anybody. You know, I'm going to point my life where... Uh, I'm not dead yet, but uh, you know things are going really well, and and uh, I truly get satisfaction out of being able to help others. So uh, I'd help out any way I can. Well, Love well, it. J- Jeff, you're um, not you're, during normal business hours, of yeah. course, Craig. This should be after hours on weekends. <laughs> hey. Your uh, your quote on just because you want something doesn't mean you you're going to get it, regardless of all the prep work that you put in place. I think that's a perfect example of someone who doesn't have entitlement. Uh, so. 
I, I want to end on that note for me, Craig, is that Perfect. we all just be, just because we want something doesn't mean we're going to get it. And even though we put in the prep work, it might not be the right prep work, and then we might That's just right. have to push a little harder. Got to uh, see more people so, and learn from the yep. ones you're seeing. That's beautiful. Thank you, Jeff. Great Chris. job, Jeff. Great talk today. Love it, guys. We'll see you all next week. Yep, Fusic.us, and and hit us up on Instagram or Facebook, and and love y'all, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Fusic, a podcast for everyone who said I couldn't.